Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. It's good to see you guys. Um, if you would, be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 2. It feels like it's, a, it's been a long time <laughs> since, since I have been up here in Samuel. Uh, yes, it was last year. Thanks, Farrell. Now I feel like Sam. I understand. <laughs> and hey, we're, we're going slow. There's no rush. Uh, the things that, you know, God has in his word, we absolutely want to, to look at. If you haven't been with us, I want to uh, maybe just encourage you, you can find uh, these messages along with all the rest of them uh, that we do here in Faith Fellowship. Uh, we have a couple of different series going on right now. Uh, you can find that online. And so um, what we've been looking at in 1 Samuel is we, we've been saying we want to say, what is the leadership aspects that we can find from this. I mean, we're going to probably one of the greatest leaders, uh, arguably the, but I, you know, you'd have to make a case for Paul and Moses. <laughs> and that's why with David, I, you know, I know he's a picture of Christ, but just, you know, he's still a guy, you know. And so these guys are, are individuals that we want to kind of examine. And so in Samuel, we get a chance to see how did that whole thing start? And right now, we haven't even gotten to the, the, the portion of this where David is a part of it. We're just simply still at Samuel and what's happening, how did he come up, and what things that he experienced. And so last time, we were just looking at from verses 18 through 21, and I'll just read them uh, briefly here. This is just Samuel before the Lord. Uh, as a young man, as a child, it says, uh, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. And they went unto their own home, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters. And and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So just from looking at Samuel's example of what we see what's happening with him and how he's growing is that we needed to simplify our ministry in a way that is very similar to what he's doing. We don't see any, you know, great exploits. We just see a simplified faithfulness and God is blessing that. And so we saw that we needed to have a childlike uh, simplicity to our ministry. We needed to be consistent. We need to be content and then cultivate it. Because Samuel, again, is, is giving us a great example. What you don't know, if you haven't been following us, is that he is in a home that is very tumultuous. He is a part of Eli's household. He's the high priest of Israel right now in Shiloh. And his two sons, Phinehas and Hophni, these guys are the worst. They abuse their position of what they're doing, and they have just made such a terrible name, really, for the Lord, that the, even the people of Israel now are starting to hate providing sacrifice before the Lord. I mean, this is bad. And Samuel is growing up in this home, and so for, for me to have read what I just read and say what it is that Samuel is doing is really interesting. And it kind of lends itself to this, you know, excuse of, well, whatever has happened around me that now that gives me the excuse to come, excuse me, to get off track. But no, I, no, Samuel's not. That's not what he's doing. But now 
we find ourselves a little bit further, and we're going to try to cover this 22 to 36. And what you're going to see here is what is earlier mentioned where the Lord gives us a window into just how bad things are with Phineas and Hophni taking care of the burnt sacrifice and just how they abuse that, that whole thing. Now you get a chance to see there's a point where Eli is going to rebuke his sons, and there's a point where now you're going to see God rebuke Eli. And it's from this place, y'all, that we need to look at what do leaders, how do leaders respond to correction? Um, because the thing is, is ultimately if you are a leader of any kind, a lot of you are like, well, I'm not a leader. Are you a parent? Yes. Well, you're a leader. Are you an aunt or an uncle? Are you a Bible study leader? Do you have some authority at work? There is some place and somewhere that the Lord has given you some influence and you need to make sure you are careful with that influence. And so ultimately, there's going to come a time where something's going to go wrong. Maybe you did something, you mishandled something, and there's going to be correction, and you need to respond in a way that's biblical. And what we're going to see from these examples are, eh, neither one did. Our, um, for those of you that have kind of been taking the notes on the, the LFBI portion of just some of the things just to mention here is, don't forget, we are looking at really the Lord's indictment for the rejection of the priesthood, okay? This is going to be the Lord's indictment for the rejection of the priesthood as it stands, and that's why Samuel was born. The, the beautiful thing about Hannah is she has no idea <laughs> that this is what her son was going to be used for. All she wanted was for the Lord to provide a son, and he did. And the Lord has great plans because why? She lent him back to the Lord. Man, uh, parents, parents, pay attention to that. Hannah gave her son back to the Lord, and the Lord is going to use him mightily. And so in this rejection of the priesthood, we, you know, we're going to kind of see some things that you know, we don't want to necessarily gloss over is that God reminds Eli of his gift. God rebukes Eli uh, for him and his son's disobedience. God reveals to Eli his plan for cutting off the family from the Levitical order. And God removes Eli by replacing him with a faithful priest, which is uh, obviously quite important. <laughs> so now we have a lot of reading to do uh, today. And so just follow along uh, with me in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 22 through 36. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel, all Israel, excuse me, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And now, let's make sure that we understand there. The Lord has, has kind of laid this foundation because he already knows where their heart is. They don't want to stop what they're doing. 
is being brought up. This is some time we know now just from earlier that um, uh, Hannah and Elkanah had been coming up year after year. And so these individuals have been laying this kind of foundation for some time. This wasn't a new problem. This is something that's old and rooted that they no remorse for. Then we go on, it says, and I love, because this is how the Lord keeps interjecting Samuel into the story, and he's little <laughs> quick, because it doesn't need a lot. It's just telling you something very important around what, you know, in the center of where it's around. In verse 26, it says, and the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men, period. We're done talking about Samuel. Next. <laughs> I love it. There's something very beautiful and very simple about just being obedient. It doesn't have a lot of words that need to be tied to it. And so, in verse 27, it says, And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer up mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me, and did give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thou thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all things of Israel, my people." Rough. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord saith, Be it far from me. For them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That's a very important verse. Verse 31, Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm, and the arm of thy father's house and there shall not be an old man in thine house. And thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation and all the wealth which God shall give Israel. And there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of thine whom I shall not cut off from mine altar shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart. And all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And this uh, shall be a sign unto thee that thou shalt come upon thy two sons on Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. And I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in mine mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's offices that I may eat a piece of bread. And so what's happening here in this, in Eli's old age, he hears about everything that his sons have done in their roles and he confronts his sons. They refuse to stop abusing their power. And in the midst of this family drama, we, we continually see Samuel still is growing and in favor with God and men. And then lastly, we see that the Lord rebukes Eli and his sons. And so our chief concern is this, you guys, um, that leaders may fail to respond biblically to necessary correction. Leaders may fail to respond biblically to necessary correction.
Our simple outline this morning is if we just break it up into two parts, biblical correction, how should good leaders respond? The first would be to authority. Now to be in verses 22 through 25. And then to God, which would be 27 to 36. And so listen, I, I, I want to start off this way. If you're going to be a good leader, then there will come a time when you have done something that needs corrected. Today we're going to examine Eli and his sons in order to see how they responded to correction. And what we need are some biblical principles as we purpose in our heart to be right with God. Now, I, that's what my prayer for you this morning is, is that you want to be right with God. So if you hear correction, then automatically the thing that you should be thinking is, I need these tools set in order to, when this comes up, I know what I'm going to do. It's determined in my heart how I'm going to respond. Okay? And so, the first thing that we want to do, let's go back just so we can get our heads wrapped into what it is we're seeing here. We're just going to look at these first few, 22 through 25. One of the a couple of things I want you to, to pay attention to. One, their sin is public, is sexual, and it's having an effect on the people of God. And so let's read it again. It says, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. He said to them, Why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear ye make the Lord's people to transgress. So the first thing that we want to get down as a guiding principle is that we should confess our sins. When, when, when this came up, the, one, the, the response is, is that now, okay, I, it's time to own it. Dad is on to us. It's time for us to say, you're right. 1 John 1, 9 says something very important. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You Listen, you have to own what you have done. One of the things that's very difficult for people to do is to own their part of it. In our society today, it's everybody else's fault of why you are the way you are or why you handle something the way you did. Listen, it doesn't matter how it was brought to you. It doesn't matter how, uh, you know, like any of these other small details. If it's true, own it. Own it. See, what's disgusting about Eli's sons is there's no end in sight to their sin. Their own father. How much disrespect to their own father did they bring to his house? They care not about that. They represent the Lord's house. They, they care less about that. They are only in it to gain something for themselves. Guys, listen, if we're, if we're going to be good leaders, we cannot have that kind of thought process. Man, sometimes it is, is that, you know, you're, you're doing something and, and you're just like, I hope I don't get caught. I hope I don't. And the Lord's grace is letting you not, but then because you're hard-headed, you get caught. And now what? Will you own it? See, listen. 
these guys, I know what it is that the Lord said at the end of this about what he's going to do to them. But I'm telling you, the God that we serve will hear when you confess your faults before him. The next thing you have to do is you have to stop engaging in the sin. The first thing, just as a general principle, is confess it. But the next thing is you have to stop engaging in it. It's one thing for you to just own it. And sometimes people, like in this weird kind of glorified way, they talk so much about the sin that they're engaged in as if it's something to, to show off. No. Stop it. Stop doing this thing that you're in. And guys, we have to understand that the Lord has left some things for us to mortify and then some things that we need to put off. In Colossians 3, 5 through 10, it says, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Those things mortify. Let's be clear. That is to kill. That I put a complete end to that. There's no, no, no um, tremors of that thing around. Once that thing has been discovered and I'm like, oh, my God, I got myself in a mess. That I just cease from that, flee from that. But then to carry on even further, the Lord says, now let's put off some other things. For which, which things sake the wrath of God come on the children of disobedience, into which ye also walked some time when, when you lived in them. But now ye also, also Put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. See, I understand that dispensationally where we're at in this, in this time in history is under the law. And we have just but some time to get to grace. But the Lord still provided an avenue for Hophni and Phineas to be right with him. And they never took it. They never took it. And I just wonder, for the believer and non-believer in this room, how many times has the Lord provided a, an out for you and you just never take it? Listen, the Lord is bringing these things up in your life in order that they will be dealt with, not so that you can just have them and bring you shame. It's not just to put light on them. It's so that you can deal with them. He is the answer. And if you humble yourself before him and you said, Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner Let's say, let's say for the lost, that I'm a sinner separated, that I, there's this great divide between us, and that only Jesus Christ can bridge that gap. I see that, and I see that I can't do anything to earn your favor in that way, that only Jesus' finished work at the cross can rectify that. I see it. Now, can I have it? And that you would. Confess your faults. Ask for forgiveness and then ask him to be Lord of your life. And I guarantee you he will. He will. This doesn't have to end the way that this is ending. And, I'm, and it's going to end the way that the Lord called it out. 
We'll see that later on in later chapters. Chapter 4, it's, it's awful. Not only are you going to see their death, but then you'll see the Ark of the Covenant will be with the Philistines. There'll be a slaughter of Israelite. Like, it's bad. Man, you don't always know what's behind the thing when the Lord is trying to stop you dead in your tracks from the trajectory that you're on. You don't know what's behind you. It's worthwhile for you to hear the Lord and say, let me stop, Lord. What are you saying? What do I need to cease from? What relationships do I need to maybe distance myself from? Do I need to maybe start being at church more regularly or come to Tuesday or, man, what, somebody keeps inviting me to Bible study. I, I got to go. Because then, remember that foolish thing last week when you should have been at church. You were somewhere you wasn't supposed to be. Man, the Lord is always sending us lifelines, y'all. The Lord, you know, I, I tremble at the thought that the Lord waited so long. Why? Because these guys are priests. He wants them to, I mean, they're the ones that are representing him to Israel. So for the believer, tremble even more because you're an ambassador for Christ. Things need to be mortified, y'all. Things need to be put off. Listen, what I asked for in order to become saved is still true today. I'm still going to go to him. When I'm in error, I'm still going to find my father and say, Lord, forgive me. I've sinned against you. And just own the thing. And never once has the Lord just thrown it up in my face and like, well, let's waddle here and be in shame and hide and don't, you can't come to church. No. That's never been the case. The third thing is, though, and quite honestly, this is the thing that sometimes I think why we don't own our sin and why we try to, I don't know, parry away from it and just maybe continue in it and, and feel like you're, you're now uh, uh, under the weight of the circumstance that sin has now provided for you. But listen, get this. Be prepared to face whatever consequence your sin has brought to you. Be prepared to face whatever consequence your sin has brought to you. See, listen, you can get that forgiveness. The Lord will clean your slate. Praise the Lord. In this dispensation, that's I mean, justified makes no sense. I'm terrible. <laughs> and the Lord's like, clean slate. It's like, you know, I always think about it like the table that has the top tablecloth. <laughs> he just does like that. But all the stuff goes on the ground. You're like, where's this stuff at? I don't know. You're fine. Keep going. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, I made a mess again. Nah, it's not there. Keep going. I love that. That's the God I serve. Galatians 6 Seven and eight says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall uh, of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. See, there's consequences that come with sin. And you could be just as good with God. And listen, you need to face that thing with the same courage that you did when you came to the Lord and said, 
<laughs> Lord, I realize that I've sinned against you. Because the Lord will be with you. You may be locked up for the rest of your life. That's okay. God will be with you. You may have a, a child come out of that situation. That's okay. God will be with you. And that's okay. We make mistakes. Just own it. And then let the Lord just constantly keep turning your heart over until it is molded and more like his, your mind more like his. And man, get it what it is that God has for you. Don't just quit. Well, it's over for me. I messed up and I disappointed the Lord. Nobody's doing it perfect out here. Nobody. Okay? So the thing is, I have an opportunity. I just got to own it. I got to tell him to my dad, hey, dad, I realize this is a problem. Maybe I need to get some accountability. I mean, there's all these avenues that the Lord has as safety nets. And again, when we're looking at these guys, they're taking none of it. The thing that, that it was so upsetting, it says in, in um, yeah, verse 25. So he goes on, dad is saying, if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. And he's like, he's trying to ramp up like, hey guys, hey, we're talking about just normal legal system, but now I'm about to turn it on his ear and we're talking about God himself now, right? And he says, but if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father. Wow. So now, you don't stop. You just plow headlong into foolishness. And then a lot of times we have this viewpoint like, well, I don't understand why the Lord's not helping me. Uh, it's like the meme, the one, the blinking one where... What? Uh, like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> are you are you serious? Guys, this leads me to our first key point. You got to get this. OK, I don't want anybody to be hiding in sin or to stay in a place of sin. No sin you have committed is greater than Jesus becoming our sin on the cross. All could be forgiven if you ask for it. But it is required. You got to confess it. You got to ask for forgiveness. And listen, it's expected that you would turn away from it. You don't keep it, you know, get to the Lord's not a fool. And, uh, and I think sometimes we tend to treat him like that, where it's like, Lord, I don't want this thing. Take this. But your hand is still on it. Take it away from me, Lord. <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord. <laughs> Let me take a look. <laughs> And the Lord's like, what are you doing? <laughs> okay, this time, for real, Lord. Come on, man. <laughs> it's sad, y'all. It's sad that they had the beautiful privilege of being priests of Israel, and this is what they did with it. So because the Lord has written this and recorded these men's lives, it is equally sad for us believers, for us to not also tremble at the thought that we might even come close to doing the same thing. We got to be careful. We find then that ray of hope and we praise the Lord. And let me, and, you know, let me say this. God's judgment is hope. 
Because now we can look at this and kind of go, mm, need to tighten up. <laughs> yes, you do. Praise the Lord, you know. But then look at this little ray of hope. In this crazy house, worse than Jerry Springer could ever be, you got the high priest and a couple priests, and they just, all of them, numbskulls. You know, I mean, just all of them, the whole lot of them. And here it is, simple sentence. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Samuel, in the midst of this, y'all, is continuing to grow, not just in body and size because he's a kid, you know, he's going to get bigger, <laughs> but also in faith. In, in light of this, Eli, on some level, would kind of be like a father figure to him. If he's in earshot of these conversations, <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of just, you know, because my mind is like that. I was thinking, like, Samuel's eating an apple, like, mm, I'm glad that ain't me, you know? <laughs> you know, and just this kind of idea, like, man, this, wow. Maybe that helped to keep him in, in line. See, number four of our good principles is don't let the action of others sway your faithfulness. Don't let the actions of others sway your faithfulness. Listen, we live in a time right now that it's going to be few more than it's going to be the majority actually serving the Lord. Will you be a part of that few? See, I love this. This is, again, simple. Let's keep it simple. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I mean, just as plain, plain as you can get it. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, which is particularly interesting for the next chapter when it is that the Lord is calling Samuel, and he thinks it's Eli, and he's going to keep going, uh, yes, Lord, <laughs> it wasn't me. Go to sleep. And so, essentially, it, this is true. Like, the Lord made this true. It's true. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Listen, you can make it very simple in your life, and just ask yourself a simple question. Am I following the Lord? Are the things that I'm doing, the things I'm involved in, where my heart is set, the desires of my life, do they line out that says I'm following the Lord? I'll just let you marinate on that a little bit because, you know, the entirety of who you are should communicate that. Okay? Just saying. I love you. <laughs> we got some wounds this morning. It's okay. We all right. We all right. Next key point then is this. Good leaders follow after righteousness, not just men. Good leaders follow after righteousness, not just men. Because if it was just a man that Samuel was going to follow because he has older men around him, he would follow the knuckleheads. But praise the Lord, he hasn't, <laughs> you know. Why? Because he's following after righteousness. None of those priests have any integrity for the duties that the Lord has blessed them with. And yet Samuel, little Samuel. 1 Timothy 6.11 but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, 
love, patience, meekness. Maybe you need that list this week. Maybe there are some scenarios and situations that, um, you know, because everybody's favorite one on this list is patience. I am the worst, <laughs> you know, when it comes to that, right? Like, you want it right now. I want this resolved right now. And if you're not going to do it, Lord, then I'm going to maybe help you. And then it's a mess. And you're like, Dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I broke it, <laughs> right? The Lord's like, I know. That's okay. I love you. Remember, slate. Just give it to me. I'll fix it. But no, seriously. Man, what are you following after now? What are the things that really get you going? You know, have you found yourself, you, you're so afraid of what's happening in the country that now you're following after politics? And I'm not here to tell you which one is right or wrong because they're both wrong. <laughs> and so that's, that's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and so... You have something to follow if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning. You can follow him. You can follow after righteousness, godliness, faith. Where's your faith at? Do you trust that the Lord has your best interests at heart? In this situation that you're in right now, that you actually can't really see a ray of hope in. But do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Because really, at the end of the day, that should be the hope that you're holding on to. Listen, circumstances can be whatever they're going to be. But if I have the Lord, man, I have everything. Guys, maybe just, we just, again, we need to simplify just how, you know, what we're doing. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And now we get to the larger portion of here, God rebukes Eli. And let's look at verses 27, and we'll go to the end. I'll just read it again a little, a little slower, just so we really understand here. So now, think about it. Up to this point, we have seen Eli in his old age. Maybe now he's, okay, he's not just hearing about it, but it's gotten to his ear, and maybe it's gotten to his nerves. Like, he's like, man, this is kind of disgusting. I need to address this. Let me mention it to him, <laughs> right? Because let's face it, he didn't do anything about it. Did he? he just told him, right? He's the dad, high priest. We get to that point. We see Samuel still growing. Things are still happening there. And now we have this interesting uh, time where the man of God shows up on behalf of the Lord and has this very honest conversation with Eli. And so here it is. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Man, I like this, you know, as a reminder of the origin story. You didn't create this. I did. And I blessed your family from many generations ago to have this privilege. Okay, sometimes the Lord pulls that card like that. Boy, that's a humbling, <laughs> humbling thing. Because a lot of times, you know, you can get into something, you're like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And the Lord's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, I created this, and I gave it to you, and then I gave you the capacity to be able to do it. Okay, 
conversation's over <laughs> after that, right? Verse 28, and he, he's not done yet. <laughs> and did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer up mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? Man, the Lord is saying, I'm the one doing the choosing. This is like that conversation <laughs> that uh, happens with Job. It's like, where were you? You know, it's like, oh, man, you don't have to finish any of that, <laughs> you know? The minute the Lord starts saying, where were you? I, nowhere, Lord, that's the end of it, <laughs> you know? 29, wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice. Guys, that's like to trample on top of it. Like that's what he's saying, that's what your, your behavior is, to trample on it. And mine offerings, which I have commanded in my habitation, let me just remind you, where y'all step your foot at, that's mine. <laughs> you know? And honors thy sons above me. Now this right here, boy, that would have that would have been a good moment to start crying, Eli. To make yourselves fat with the chief, chiefest of all offerings of Israel, my people. And then he goes on to say, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. Forever, y'all. This is what the intention was. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me. From them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, and there shall not be an old man in thine house, which is true. Well, you got a long way to go because there's one representative all the way to Solomon's kingdom that gets there. And the Lord, <laughs> and then Solomon does something about it in order to make sure that this, what is being said right now happens, uh, which is incredible. The Lord will not be mocked. That's why. Okay. And so, I, you know, play around if you want to. I wouldn't recommend it. 32. And thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation. Philistines, and all the wealth which God shall give Israel, and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of thine, whom I shall not come up, cut off from mine altar, shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart, and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee, that thou shalt come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phinehas, and in one day they shall die, both of them. I just gave you a little, this is the trailer to that, the actual event will be in two chapters and I will raise up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind I will build him a house a sure house and he shall walk before mine anointed forever the one thing that's interesting about you know Samuel being the last judge prophet but then you transition to David who ends up ha holding two titles essentially he's like priest and king but ultimately we are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ Especially once we start talking about forever, because David is not forever. But the lineage by which Jesus Christ comes from, oh, man, that's forever. That's forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thy house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread and shall say, put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest's office that I may eat and, and, uh, a piece of bread. And so... Our um, last uh, general principle is, when corrected, do the hard but right thing. Because again, we want to keep it simple. When corrected, do the hard but right thing. You know the thing 
that saddens me also in Eli's case is he's not asking the Lord for any instruction on what I should do to make this right. You notice that? All he does is just accept what it is that the Lord has said. Man, even Moses fought back, like pushed back, like, hey, Lord, before you kill everybody. Uh, <laughs> wait. Right? And, and the Lord listened to him. We're going to start over, and it's going to start with you. Well, about that. <laughs> you know? And obviously, that's Moses' character, you know, in that he's a, a kind of Christ-like in that, in that moment. But, man... Eli, open your mouth. Say something. One, let's start with this forgiveness, confess it, own it. Right? But then, but then say something. Say, Lord, can I, can I make it right? Do, what do I have to do? Well, somebody did do that. Numbers 25, 3, you know the story. Get there. When corrected, do the harbor right thing, y'all. No matter how embarrassing it may seem to you, man, make it right. Now, this is an extreme example, but I want you to hear the Lord's heart as a result of what happens in this story. Numbers 25.3, and it starts off and it says, And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, take all the heads of the people and hang them before the Lord against the sun. Wow. That the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. <clears throat> and Moses said unto the judges of Israel, slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought uh, unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the, into the tent and thrust them both of them through. The man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand, y'all. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, don't miss this. The son of Aaron the priest hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel. Why? How? While he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. In the midst of all that ugliness, it's like a horror film. Prior to, these two clowns decided that we're going to have sexual relations? It's so out of Phineas's mind. It's, hand me the javelin. Throws it through. Everything stops. Listen, there are some things that you need to throw a javelin through. Not literally. But for sure. Metaphorically, there are some things you need to just put an end to today, like today. Because if I'm bringing it up and the Lord is pressing on your heart about something, you better do something about it. I'm just telling you. See, the thing is, it goes on to say, 
Wherefore say, behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Eli didn't do anything, y'all. All he did was have this half attempt speech to his kids. He didn't pull them out of office. He didn't, you know, do something. He did nothing. And it, so it continued. Like, that's the sad thing about this. Until they die, they continue with this nonsense. So listen, this is a huge key point. No response to correction is the worst response. No response to correction is the worst. Listen, you can have some trembling in your mind or things that you're wrestling with just in terms of like, Lord, I don't know, how do you want me to do it? And maybe and that's when you can seek counsel and people will walk with you in the process, you know, and like, okay, hey, maybe, man, yeah, you got to go apologize, you know, or whatever it is, right? Whatever the thing is, uh, yeah, you need to sell that, you know, or, you know, and, the, and just watch as you make a step forward in righteousness, the Lord will meet you. He will meet you. The thing that's sad about Eli is like, man, you don't, nothing. You, the Lord just told you that basically not just you, but generations that come from your seed moving forward. This is how this is going to be. And it just silence. But you know what? That in, uh, inactivity in Eli just told us why his kids responded the way they did. Because that's exactly what they did. Nothing. Guys, I'm telling you, no response to correction is the worst response. God is bringing these things up. He's showing us these things in our lives. He's giving us opportunity. We're getting counsel from people. We're, we're in time in the word. This is why it's so critical for you to be here. When you are not here, guess what? You don't hear. Because, man, listen, the kind of, you think that you can maintain your walk just by reading yourself. It will take one week for you to not read before you stop reading. One week. Maybe not even that long. And then what? You have to prioritize being, man, go to where God is. Be with the people of God. We all get in correction. We all get in lifelines and opportunities, and the Lord is trying to reveal some things that, that we need to do. So you don't have to feel bad about it. Let's do it together. Pray for me. <laughs> I'm praying for you. See, the thing is, man, don't, don't not respond. In this case, y'all, we don't even know what the hard thing would have been to do because he didn't ask. God doesn't allow you to receive correction for the purpose of berating you. It's for your benefit. Own it, ask for forgiveness, and then do the hard but right thing. And I promise you, watch God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I do pray that we would just examine our, ourselves 
and where we are with you. And perhaps there have been just a series of things that you've been revealing to us over the last few days or, or months, things that you want us to mortify or put off or both. And Father, I pray, help us to do that. Lord, I also pray here potentially for the lost that don't know you, that, Lord, that maybe for a change they see themselves as that sinner separated by their sin, that, Lord, that you call out to them and say, Lord, just come, come to me. Lord, I pray that, that nobody would stay spiritually in the same state that they came in, but that, Lord, we would just make the examination and then that we would do the hard but right thing. And so whatever that is, Lord, would you be with us, whether it's to ask uh, for you to be our Lord and Savior or for or just some other smaller thing that we need to put off or some relationship or whatever, whatever it is. Lord, help us. Be with us as we walk through these consequences that we may have created for ourselves. Lord, help to soften the blow and then Father, get the glory out of our lives. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.